You're listening to The Bounding Box, where we talk about web development, geo development, and everything in between. All right, welcome to The Bounding Box. Today, I got a great guest here. I have a fun guest. I have Dylan Sheeman. Dylan, please introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, what you do. What's your problem? Hey, Renee. Good to hear from you. Uh, I'm Dylan. I'm one of the early, early JavaScript people. Worked on the JoJo Toolkit back in the day. Currently, I'm working on LivingSpec, which is a collaboration platform. I run HalfStack, which is a creative series of conferences about web technologies and the possibilities of the web. And I also maintain Slate.js, which is one of the uh, leading rich text editor framework projects. Um, it's open source as well. So yeah, that's, um, those are my problems. Lots of, <laughs> lots of things to do, you know? You are juggling <laughs> a lot, man. That is a lot of stuff yeah. you got going on. Yeah, I think last, you know, it all sounds glamorous until last night my wife woke me up at like midnight face first on my desk saying, hey, <laughs> you might want to get some real sleep tonight. I'm like, okay, all right. But you can do that. You've always uh, had a full plate for as long as I've known you. And, and I've known you quite a long time now at this point. And you've always been involved with a lot of different things going on, uh, open source projects, your your own work and everything like that. I mean, I, I, and, I, and I, I relate because I, I also have quite a few different things going on myself but along with everything else i do but i mean how, how do you manage all that so i think the I'm, I'm always like that. i just have lots of energy and it's hard for me to say no to, to things but i remember my my organic chemistry professor in undergrad um dr shambach who's unfortunately passed away but he had this one day he comes in with these this big jug and he's like we need to fit as much in your life as possible so what do you start with and like big balls and little balls and sand and water, right? He's like, look, if you put the big stuff in first, the, the important stuff, then that stuff gets done. Then you can add the little stuff and you can add more because then you can add sand in and then you can pour water and you can like make, you can live a full life. But if you start with the water or the sand, the less important stuff, you have no room to fit the big things into your life and, and make them matter. So it's all kind of about like prioritizing and making sure that you, you, you make the most important things happen first and then see what else you can sort of pile on or, or fit in. But you know, I'm I'm also like a super weirdly hyper productive person. I um, wake up at three forty five because Starbucks opens at four thirty. You know, and so that's enough time for me to be awake <laughs> to drive the car to go get my first my first like you know quad shot of espresso for the day. I say first because it's not the last. Um, and you know, then like I'll um, I use Living Spec to like track everything in my life and just kind of do that. And I have people I can rely on, you know, a good team and um, just people that are, I'm pretty good at like collaborating, not feeling like I have to do everything myself. So when someone wants to help, I try to encourage that rather than like tell them wrong, you know, they're wrong in doing what they're doing. So it's just, I, but I have a lot of fun doing all these things, you know, so it's hard to say no. It's hard to nice. Say no. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually, I do use Living Spec for this podcast. I, I it, It's really cool. It, it's interesting because, you know, I, I create my document it's got this whole form and you create the document then you just start writing right like I, I my my typical workflow is i just create a bunch of bullet points and stuff like that and then out of those i will create uh, maybe a page where i go and i elaborate on my bullet point and then from there i can start creating tasks and tasks is where i really uh take advantage of it because that lets me go ahead and schedule like guests um i have a template uh snippet that i guess they're called living spec right where i can add yeah. a snippet that already adds all of like the the format of how i'm going to do things uh the things nice. i need to do <laughs> right so that's great to remind yeah. me uh which yeah. is really cool that i get a lot of benefit out of that and uh well, another thing i've used it for a lot too is i use it for my um my sessions for like conferences and stuff like that so i typically will take my uh, uh description of what the session is says what i'm going to do 
and then I go through and I start turning each of those lines into a different task and yeah. uh, outlining things and stuff easier way. And it works out pretty great. You know, I, I enjoy it a lot. It's a great tool. Uh, you know, and it's got a nice editor, which is pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. And it's built on Slate, which is what, you know, so the open source part of it is still there. And um, it's funny, my son is, he's been programming for two years. He's hes 10 now. He just reminds oh. me he's a decade old now, which feels makes me feel ancient. He's giving a conference talk next week. I saw that. And he's he was doing it, right? And he was, yeah, and he's living Spectre Planet out. He outlined his, <laughs> he, he made like a, a pretty simple Asteroids game in Python. It's a few hundred lines of code to yeah. like months to do and kind of tweak and perfect and like he wanted to talk about the problems he had and things he did and so he's like well this is what living specs for right I'm like yeah but normally you do it in advance but you can always use it after the fact too you know so it's kind of his, <laughs> his stuff but yeah there's there's something powerful about just being able to get things out of your head and then organize them later and it doesn't have to be perfect yeah. and you can like mangle them into tasks or workflows or other big projects and kind of morph them around that doesn't assume you have the right answer up front and i feel like it's kind of the beauty of open source and all the things I've done in my career is you don't really know necessarily where you're going. You know, you have an objective, you know, you have a rough goal, but you're not going to know, like if you over plan, you miss out on the serendipity and the cool things you discover along the way, like from talking to users or talking to people who might use your product or service. And you like kind of pigeonhole yourself into a corner versus like giving yourself a direction and enough freedom to take advantage of the cool stuff along the way that you learn and build something even better. That's awesome. And leaning into that, like you're telling your son's going to speak next week, that's going to be at the Half Stack Phoenix. Right? I was yes. looking at the schedule and I saw it's, it's your son headlining and your you know, second fiddle on the, the lineup yeah, yeah. for that yeah. one. But uh, the, the Half Stack conferences are really fun because they aren't just like, um, oh, let's learn how to build this tool or app or let's learn how to use some software. They're, they're really cool because they're really more creative in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, I, I got burned out on conferences. I think I'd spoken at like a thousand conferences by like 2014. And I'm like, what do I want from a conference? I'm like, I don't want to hear another vendor pitch. I don't want another talk where you tell me your technology is the only right solution. Yeah. I don't want a step-by-step -step training workshop. That's what a workshop or a blog post is for. Um, I want to see what you could do with this thing. I want to see what, what side project you're creating. I want to see what fun things failed for you i want to hear your story you know like so tell me your story show me your cool demo like the technology is there but it's almost secondary to like the output and the output yeah exactly the, the journey right and it, it's a reminder like tech is here to serve us not it's not the end all it's the foundation for us to build cool things with and do interesting stuff like one of my favorite talks ever i mean i've loved your talks with the visualizing you know um, demographic data with audio overlaying a map but like then another person sort of took that idea and they said I'm gonna make a skeleton playing banjo robot over web Bluetooth APIs, <laughs> and because I can, and I'm gonna show it off. Or another person made a Christmas sweatshirt. They call it a jumper in England, but you know the translation. It had a big LED panel, and it would listen for lyrics for Christmas carols and change the design on the front to like Santa Claus oh. or Christmas tree or whatever based on whatever song it was hearing, right? And <laughs> all through web APIs, like which is what was even cooler, you know. And um, so it's just like this. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't do this to the browser or its APIs, but I'm going to anyway because I can. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. And it's yeah. those kind of things like you go, oh, well, you're never going to ship that. But you never know. Like you really right. never know, right? It could yeah. be something, a brand new uh, tool or something someone can use or a new way of doing something, right? <laughs> yep. yep, exactly, exactly. 
and it's those stories and those journeys and just treating people well and like we have sponsors but they're not there to sell you something yeah but they're there to like okay I'll, I'll give you some swag i'll if you ask i'll tell you what we do but i'm not here to like press you into working for us to buy our product we're just here to like share what we've built so when i kind of pick people that i think have similar ideals that their product speaks for itself so they might as well just have fun with us so like you know our our big sponsor for phoenix besides us is nx right and they don't even give a talk he just does the the pub quiz with me he <laughs> the pub quiz because he thinks that's really fun and they give away good prizes and stuff and like this year it, i know it's short notice probably on after the podcast or the podcast is probably on after the conference but for every half stack this year that we sell out we're going to give away a vision pro from apple um i saw that that's big neat. big prize and the reason is we're tired of like people have been slow to come back to events and yeah we know covid changed us and everything but like we miss you we want to actually hang out with you for a day yeah so we try to adjust the conference so it's not as intense but we're also trying to like get people to want to be there and you know so like well if you're there you can win something really awesome maybe it's kind of an experiment for this year but also you know like in 2007, the iPhone changed my career. Apple invited me to speak at WWDC and said, hey, Dylan and Alex, give a talk about JavaScript. And we're like, cool. And we're we're at the Moscone Center in San Francisco. We're on our way to our talk. And there's this massive queue. And we're like, wow, there must be a really good talk going on right now. We get to the front of the queue and it's for our talk. And we're like, what? Oh, wow. And like, like, well, there was no native SDK the first year. So they said, one more thing. If you want to learn how to build an app for the iPhone, go to Dylan Alex's talk on JavaScript. <laughs> like, well, that's funny. We've never played with an iPhone or seen one wow. in person or used it, but you know, we're, JavaScript was the platform for the first year. She so had like thousands of people there to learn about JavaScript, and it was this big game changer. But the iPhone itself really changed the way we build apps. You know, it changed yeah. us into this touch experience, this on-the-go experience, this give me quick information, not the whole kitchen sink every time I open an app kind of thing. And I think the the Vision Pro has the chance, while VR and AR have been around for a while, phones had been around for a while, and then Apple came along and said, actually, this is the way to do the experience. And so we want more, pe more and more people thinking about this stuff. And right now, it's kind of a, a more expensive device and less approachable. So we want to put, put some in some people's hands to see if what they built next, you know? So that's kind of the motivation. Yeah, I'm really curious to see how it goes, right? I hope, and, and you know, like, first off, it's going to be like, um, you know, people just uh, showing, like, apps, windows in like in VR environments like that. But, you know, it, there'll be more coming out of it for sure down the road as people yeah. learn how to actually use it in more useful ways and provide better feedback on it and uh, how people yeah. interact, right? Exactly, yeah. I, I mean, I'm just excited to have two 4K screens on my eyes while I'm, <laughs> like, while I'm flying across the Atlantic and not having to, like, you know, deal with eye strain and bring an yeah. extra screen or whatever. <laughs> I think that could be pretty cool. Um, I've started recording some videos in 3D, despite it can't view oh, them okay. yet because but the iPhone lets you record them. I just don't know what they look like until I watch them on the nice uh, when it comes out next week. But yeah, it'd be I'm I'm very excited about it. Obviously, <laughs> so the funny thing is they were they released it the same day as Half Stack, so I have to wait a day extra to pick it up. Ah, uh, okay. But I have on an order and I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the iPhone got me off of uh, Flex and Flash because I just you know, I had to. At that point, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I really yeah. had to dive into JavaScript. I mean, before then, my only uh, JavaScript usage was just to support things I couldn't do in Flex and Flash at the time, right? But right. yeah, after that, like it was just full blown uh, JavaScript going forward. So, which I can't Flex complain did, about. <laughs> yeah, Flex did some really nice things very early. Unfortunately, it was proprietary, and if they had ever thought about how do we export this to the web. They might still be in existence like the yeah the builder environment for flash and flex was really nice for that type of um user that likes that sort of interface 
Um, they just never really figured out how to do that until the web took over and, and pushed them out of the way. I, um, you know, I was a big proponent of use whatever you can. So like Dojo early on had components that felt a lot like Flex or Laszlo components at the time, but also, you know, we had our SVG layer, which is how I was, we ended up using Dojo that had, it had flash silver, like canvas, you know, SVG, yeah. VML, like any environment <laughs> we could export to at the time we did, because we wanted you to be able to render cool graphics on in the browser. And that was kind of actually how I got started with JavaScript. I was a PhD chemist working on foam and I wanted to be able to put my experiments on the web. And I realized the web could <laughs> draw pictures that can actually, like you could do raster, but I couldn't draw pictures on the fly. And I'm like, that's a bit early, but this is really cool. I'm going to jump ship and work on this for a while. Nice. Yeah. yeah, and it was also because Dojo was battle-tested, man. Like, I mean, you would be hard-pressed to find anything years ago that could you know, hold up in an enterprise environment like that, that could really stand up to browser yeah. usage and everything else people did. <laughs> Even today, every time, like, we use React and Next and stuff, and when I update just a simple version of Next, I'm terrified of what's going to break. Oh, yeah. You know, because they <laughs> are like, well, because we don't necessarily follow their rules and everything's supposed to do because they don't offer offer everything you might want and other frameworks as well. And you're like, wow, this broke instantly like three days to upgrade. And I mean, <laughs> with Dojo it was always just like change the version number and pretty much it worked unless we made a big mistake, you know? And, and yeah. you were talking about uh, Slate.js and the rich text editor and stuff like that. That Dojo rich text editor, I mean, even today, like it's got features there that yeah. you try to do on your own and like you're gonna, you're gonna struggle. <laughs> it had paste from Word in like 2006. Yeah. You know? And that's still difficult to do in most editors. It still leads to issues. <laughs> or there are projects that do it that are like massive. And Dojo tried to do it like a few kilobytes of JS, you know, by that's the thing too. clever hacks. Yeah. Size-wise, I mean, it was just for what it did, it was amazing too. Like Dgrid. Yeah. I mean, even today, yeah. like you're trying to find any kind of like table component or grid component that has uh, tree structures in Purcell type of thing. I mean... <laughs> It's tough. I don't know if anyone you, you, you have AG that. Grid and they build a nice product, but it's not cheap. You know, yeah, exactly. And so there's nothing open source like it, even today. Yeah. Which you know, I, I'm sure someone will at some point. Someone's going to have a need for it and maybe have to build it. But I guess it's just not that required at the moment for most people, right? The things that they're doing and stuff. It's kind of like people have either said, I'll just buy AG Grid or I'll still use Dgrid because it still works somehow. <laughs> you can use Dgrid on top of a React app. I see people do that somewhat regularly. Still. Yeah. Um, it's a shame that like Dgrid and Dojo really aren't maintained much anymore, but it just, I needed to like get on with this stuff. And I was kind of the last person who was really avidly Dojo must survive or else, you know? Um, and so I just felt like it was, you know, been almost like in April the initial email announcing Dojo is 20 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, we, last year we had a call with some of the early Dojo people because one of our friends um, passed away in late, um, I don't know, it was late 20, my days are brand new. I think it was actually a year and a half ago now. We had a late oh, call wow. one yeah. night and, you know, we're like, wow, you know, this product's been a lot around long enough that people are, you know, used it for their whole careers. And it's like, wow, this is, this is insane, you know, but, um, can we set out to do it? We're like, well, probably need this for a couple of years till the browsers catch up to us. <laughs> Famous last words, right? I mean, like, you know, yeah. I don't yeah. need this for very long. They'll, they'll add yeah. this point. Yeah, I know. It's like 15 years to get a decent implementation of web components, which still miss a lot of the framework stuff you would need on top of them, right? And so yeah. it's, it's sometimes just painful to standardize things that are relatively easy to do in a one-off manner. 
Yeah. I mean, the fact that I have to use tools like either Lit or Stencil to build like proper usable web components. I mean, you know, it gets me sometimes, but I, I don't mind. I'm, I'm a big Stencil guy. I do a lot. Of, that's my daily. At this point, that's yeah. what I'm doing like daily now is, is Stencil, web components, stuff like that. And it's got the React syntax. They have TypeScript typings, which is right. great, yeah. which I wish... Um, uh, lit had a way to do it with template yeah. strings, something like that, but you know, I'll take well, what I can get. The team at Ionic, you know, started out as consultants and became framework people by, you know, Ionic on top of Angular and then Stencil and um, a few other things they've done, right? And they're just, they're very focused on users, right? Yeah. Whereas Lit comes out of Google, which is fine, but Google typically works on frameworks that solve Google's needs. And yeah, so exactly. I've always felt like, why would you trust, um, you know, a company that really builds a framework and then stops when they don't need it anymore as soon as they're done versus something that's truly built by a company that actually, this is the thing they're supporting. This is the product. You know, it's not just a giveaway. It is, they make their living off of supporting people who are successful with Ionic. Yeah. And that, that means they're going to do everything they can to provide the best possible experience. And, um, you know, that's just how it is. Like they, they're very focused on those problems and I have a lot of respect for those guys. The um, speaking of like tools like that, the Vision Pro stuff is that still using Swift? Do you have to use Swift to build apps for that at this point? Um, but it has a browser. Oh, so it's got the browser and stuff built in. Okay. Yeah, and you can also synchronize it with your computer, so it can basically become a screen for your MacBook Pro that runs an M1 or newer huh. processor. Okay. And it itself has an M2 processor and an R1 <laughs> processor for reality calculations. Because like if you're on a Zoom call, you're wearing it. You show up as an avatar with your facial expressions matching how you're actually looking, but you're not wearing a goggles. Instead, huh. it, it is the can the, the goggles become the camera that represents your face, which is kind of trippy. Um, but it, so it's supposed to be pretty interesting on how it works. But it's like it's got last year's MacBook Pro processor in it. You wow. Know, like, okay. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's a seriously beefy machine. Um, so it's pretty cool. That's nuts. I gotta give that a shot. Yeah. I mean, I, I need to get a Mac first, I guess. Like, uh, I have one for work, but it's not like an M1 or anything like that. Just uh, Yeah, unless done. you have an M1 or newer, I don't think you'll get as much value out of it. Because yeah. I do think this seamless experience of going between the computer screen and your, your goggles will be pretty huge. Um, but, you know, the, I, I mean, I've had the M1 and now the M3 MacBook Pro. This one has 120 gigs of RAM. It is so fast. Right? I mean, it, like... So my build time from the last Intel Mac to the, the M1 Mac went from like three minutes for our app to like 45 seconds in this app. And <laughs> now it's like 20 seconds to build our app. Oh, jeez. You know, because like thousands and thousands of, you know, NPM packages getting compiled and TypeScript operations and all sorts of stuff. And that's a lot for right? productivity, right? Because you, you go yeah. from like, uh, I mean, tw 20 seconds, 30 seconds means that, no, I'm not going to get up from my machine to go do something else. But if I got to wait like a minute, two minutes, I probably get to get up for five minutes and go, you know, do whatever else needs to get done because I can't do anything else. Right. So the, yeah. that, that really matters. It's a huge deal. It does. So I just, I'm a big believer in what you get the newest MacBook Pro cams, as much memory and drive space as you need <laughs> or can afford and let it last a few years. And, you know, just kind of, it will pay for itself in my opinion. So. Nice. All right, Dylan, well, while we're respectful, respectful of your time and everything here, but I do want to ask if you have any uh, tips, tricks, any other words of advice for listeners today. 
I am very. I'm actually going to start a podcast today about productivity ah, hacks because nice. I'm like a, a super optimizer. But our first episode that we're going to air is actually my my co-founder is single screen, one tab, super focused, right? <laughs> and I'm like as many screens as many windows as many. Like I'm on a 49 inch <laughs> screen with a MacBook with all the screens, right? It's around this like nice, just like contrast in styles. And so the tip is. Find the environment that makes you most productive. It might be more, it might be less. It yeah. depends on how you focus and how you work. I need to see lots of things at once to remember everything I need to do. All that stuff is just kind of in his head and then he just focuses on the one thing at hand. Um, so we're not all the same, right? So find that environment that makes you as productive as possible. There's um, this cool device called the Neurosity Crown. That's It's like $1,200, but you wear it on your head. And it matches... It, it tracks your brainwave activity and help and determines if you're in a productive mood or not. And if you're not, huh. it helps you become more productive by okay. like telling you like what music to listen to or what to like go for a five minute walk or gives you tips on like how to get your brain activity to the point where you can be as productive as possible and focus. As that possible. is cool. Yeah. And they actually started out as more of like a thought computer, but then they realized the real value is perhaps in helping people be more productive versions of themselves. And their eventual goal is, Maybe they can cure depression with this thing, like for people without drugs, you know, but just like a, a oh, brainwave nice. reader that then can adapt, you know, and provide suggestions for you to like, you know, find inner happiness and cool things like that. So oh, that is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So like, all right. So the Neurosity Crown um, by the guys at Neurosity and and you are N E U R O S I T Y, um, finding the right zenful environment for you to work in, you know, is always kind of key for me. I'm also a big fan of the Remarkable tablet. Uh, it's a tablet that only reads and writes. So it's good for drawing. Okay. It's good for typing. And it's good for reading. And it, it does digital ink. And the battery lasts a long time. And it does nothing else. So there's no games, no apps, <laughs> no nothing to install. The, the best you can do is install like a template, you know, like kind okay. of like you would like. Now, I want those guys to pay attention to Living Spec and offer us a nice API so we can synchronize them together. They haven't yet, but... That would Eventually. be very cool because send all of my stuff directly there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still very much a pen and paper yeah. guy. I always keep these little notebooks on my desk and stuff like that, yeah. but I wouldn't mind having something like this. This thing has on. a grainy feel and it almost feels like writing on paper, which is pretty cool, but then it's, it's digital. <laughs> um, so it's as close to the paper experience as I've found. Um, I've also gotten really into like digital notes on my watch. So I'll like speak into my watch at night and take a note. And then like, you know, you're in bed and you have an idea and you're like, oh, hey, but what I want to do next is make a, uh, a shortcut or an app that will synchronize that to living specs. Like your late night thoughts suddenly end up in your spec <laughs> in the morning and then you just kind of, so anything you do to like remove the friction from your workflow, get ideas out of your head and into where they need to go um, and just find yourself in that nice zenful place are, are big wins in my world. That's awesome. Those are great. I'm, I'm going to take some of those. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I love that. Yeah, you got to let me know when that, uh, when that podcast comes out, when the episode comes out. So yeah. We get started. We, we're, we're still learning. So maybe in a month, but we're, we're kind of starting to record soon and we'll see how it goes. And I'll keep you posted. Awesome. Thanks a lot, gentlemen. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Bounty Box today. Please subscribe for more content.